0: You're listening to the Footprints of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Lawrence. Today on Footprints, we welcome Peter Sacco, the Program Director at ACAR the Australian Centre for Rural Entrepreneurship. Over the past 20 years, Pete has led the delivery of a broad range of successful community-based natural resource management and community capacity building initiatives in Australia and internationally. He is inspired by the creativity and innovation found within the ideas of young people and enjoys working with them to seek out and achieve what they are most passionate about. He lives on a beautiful farm with his family of four in northeast Victoria in an eco friendly straw bale house he built, complete with a compost toilet. Hi, Pete. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Samantha. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for being here. So, you currently lead the delivery of programs at ACAR. Can you briefly describe your leadership journey? So, your previous experience and how you got to where you are today?
1: Sure. Well, it's been a bit of a um, diverse experience, I must say. Um, I guess my first introduction to leadership was watching my dad lead and manage workers on our tobacco farm. And um, so as a kid, seeing dad work with these workers and um, motivate them to do some really difficult, you know, hard work on the farm. And uh, I was always amazed at how he always had these easy relationships with people and um, he would be able to motivate the team of, you know, there'd be six to 10 people working for like uh, you know, 10-hour day out in the hot weather, really dirty work, really hard work. And um, he had to keep doing that for the whole summer. It was incredible. That's where I first understood the power of leading people and, and, um, and understanding what it is to, to motivate them.
0: Fantastic. And then how early in your career were you exposed to leadership yourself?
1: In my early 20s, I had this amazing opportunity to work up at Mount Buffalo Chalet, up on Mount Buffalo. And I was up there for a couple of years, living up there. And my job was activities director. So my first leadership role was helping people have fun. And yeah. uh, <laughs> which was amazing. And, uh, it's a good and
0: job.
1: It was amazing. It was the best job I've ever had, and it would never be like that ever again. Uh, taking people <laughs> out for a walk every morning around the mountain around the national park uh, and then making sure that they were having a great time for the rest of their trip there and you know organising events of an evening, all that sort of jazz. That's where I learned how to speak with people and how to quickly develop rapport and um, build those quick relationships with people. And then um, I guess after that, I I moved into the environmental and conservation work that I was doing. I guess I was pretty young at about 25 years of age when I had my first management role with an organisation called Conservation Volunteers Australia. And that was amazing. I was there for nearly 10 years and I got to work with so many amazing people. And again, you know, I had kind of this dream in my mind around, you know, I had this ambition of wanting to save the world and, you know, save the planet. And uh, so con- conservation and, and sustainability is a big part of my life.
0: Yes, absolutely. Hence your amazing house with your compost toilet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can thank uh, my wife, Rebecca, for that. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we were really keen to demonstrate how we could, um, how anyone can build a, a sustainable home, an environmentally friendly home uh, that didn't have to be a hippie shack. It could be, a, you know, a conventional modern home, yeah so and it's it's worked i can't believe it this is our 11th year we've been in the house it's incredible
0: wow and while you're working with conservation volunteers australia you were in a leadership position and i believe you took groups of people on tours overseas to south africa and ran some projects
1: yeah it was um it was a really interesting so my ceo at the time he was a great fellow his name was colin jackson and you know, working in the not-for-profit sector, it was you know financially the financial rewards weren't there. Which for me, that hasn't that hasn't been a big part of my career, uh, hasn't been a big priority. But my CEO at the time, uh, he would love to reward me by giving me that opportunity to take some um, conservation groups overseas, and there was there was a lot of work involved in that because about. Business development, relationship development with international organisations and making sure everything was okay over there. But it gave me a chance to get, get my hands dirty, um, get the suit off and, you know, all that sort of stuff and actually get out there and, and be amongst it. And in, during that time, I got to uh, deliver some uh, baboon monitoring projects um, in South Africa, which was incredible. Um, some historic uh, heritage conservation projects in Italy and France And, uh, yeah, just got to meet so many amazing people.
0: Did you learn much about your leadership style when you were taking people, you know, through travel and needing to lead them in an, an environment that was different to where you knew them originally?
1: Yeah, well, it's funny. I've never really stopped to think about my leadership style. And it's one of those things where, for me, it's kind of just something that was happening organically. It was just what I was doing. So um, it wasn't always a great deal of thought um, being put into into that. But over time, as I've got older now, I've realised that I guess my style is to be open and inclusive. I really try to find a way to enable others and create space for others and understand what their needs are and what motivates them and let them kind of lead their own way as well. So... That's something that over time I've come to realise that, um, you know, I guess is my my approach, I guess, or my style.
0: Yeah, so fantastic. And so what do you do in your current role at ACA?
1: So I'm the um, Director of Programs at ACA, which um, and ACA what we do is um, we deliver entrepreneurial learning and development programs and we do that with uh, young people all around Australia. But we have a particular focus on the role that... Uh, entrepreneurship and building skills in uh, young people in particular for regional and rural Australia, how important that can be to rejuvenate rural, rural and regional Australia. So um, my role is designing and implementing all those different types of programs across, you know, we run a program called Social Enterprise Schools. Um, we do that with kids in primary school and secondary school, um, alternative learning and educational settings. Uh, And it's this focus on um, we use social enterprise as a vehicle for learning and helping young people develop a mindset, all that entrepreneurial mindset, skills, and behaviors to help them navigate their future. So I guess I got to a point uh, where I'd spent 20 odd years working in the environment and conservation sector, and I needed a change. And I love, see, the interesting thing about my work journey there was while it was a big focus on the environment, it was always about working with people and community to achieve that change. And so um, I just wanted to have people kind of in the in you know in the forefront of what I was doing, working with people. And so then working with ACO, and it's a startup, I was part of, um, you know, when it first started five years ago, we took it through from a pilot through to proof of concept and now we're scaling it. And uh, it's been an incredible journey to, and a real privilege to be able to work with young people in helping them put their ideas into practice.
0: Yeah. So fantastic. In your words, what is social enterprise and what does it mean to you?
1: So social enterprise, a social enterprise is a business that trades to intentionally tackle a social, environmental or community issue. And that could be anything that social enterprise decides to, you know, it's going to be its social purpose. And it puts the majority of its profits back into its social purpose. So um, it doesn't rely on grants and donations. It's, so it's not a charity but its primary purpose is to support a social purpose. And it's not just a straightforward commercial business because its primary purpose isn't just about making money, it's about addressing that social cause. But it trades, it sells products and services to make money and to continue to operate and support its cause in a sustainable way.
0: Fantastic. So you're really passionate about young people and helping them achieve their dreams. Can you share where this passion comes from and how it influences your leadership style and the choices that you make today?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I just love seeing young people have a go at things. I love encouraging people, young people to have a crack at something new. It might be a new sport. It might be starting a business. It might be just getting out there and meeting people. And I just, I love the energy that comes from young people. You know, you you ask a young person why something's a good idea, they'll give you 10 reasons. You ask someone a bit older, it's like, oh, you know, they're just I guess I go with it where the energy is, and and yeah, and I, and I you know young people, I mean it's a bit cliche, but they are the future, they genuinely are the future, and the ideas that they have, um that's what's going to kind of help shape our world moving forward.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I know that's something that you uh, sort of naturally involve in your life, whether that's at work or at home. I know, for instance, that you had someone renting one of your properties, a young person that you sort of took on a bit of a mentorship role with and ended up helping them purchase their own home.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was a really interesting time where it was um, a young fellow who I'd met through boxing. He was an amazing boxer. He broke my nose um, more than once. And um, <laughs> he was only, uh, uh, he'd just turned 18, I think it was. And um, he was having a bit of, t- bit of a tough time at home, tough time at work, just trying to figure out his place in the world. And it, he needed his own space and he needed to start to take responsibility for his own life. So yeah, we just, uh, we offered him the place and he lived there for a year and um, he completed his apprenticeship, uh, he got his qualifications, started to just give him some help around financial management. He didn't have any problem saving, he was incredible at managing his money and he had this goal, he wanted to buy his own house and he did. By the time he was 21, he bought his own home and uh, yeah, and he's, he's doing really well.
0: It's so inspiring. I find it so inspiring that, you know, a true leader is a leader in every aspect of their life and it just naturally comes to them and that's clearly what you are. What does leadership mean to you?
1: Well, I'm wrapped that you just flagged that because I believe anyone can be a leader and I think everyone can practice good leadership you don't need to be the CEO of an organization or the owner of a highly successful multimillion dollar turnover business. You know, leadership is demonstrated in so many different ways. It could be, you know, just through your role at work um, and whatever it might be or role in your own business, or it could be um, the way you behave at school. Uh, as, a, as a young person, I talk to my kids about, you know, their, their behavior at school and standing up for something that they think's right or how you behave on the, on the sporting field or, how, you know, what you do in community. So for me, coming back into my local community, so moving back to the region after many years away, you know, just being part of our local Italian club, you know, the Coloured Resi Club and, uh, and putting my hand up as a younger person back then in the community to play a leadership role in that community group or being on the board of at the school board, for example, being the chair of the school board for many years. Uh, helping out with coaching at the soccer club, those sorts of things, just they're all voluntary positions. And what we find in particular in rural Australia is that there are so many amazing people in our community that lead every day. And without them, we'd be, you know, we'd be buggered. Yeah. So I see leadership comes in lots of different forms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What has been your greatest professional achievement and why?
1: Oh, well, um, look, I'm really proud of my career with, you know, working in conservation and the environment sector. But uh, one of the, one of the, um, I feel like I'm living it now um, as well. I'm really proud of what I'm doing now. The work I'm doing with ACRE and Social Enterprise Academy and uh, our Social Enterprise Schools Program, it's given me a, a real, I, I feel like I'm achieving some really amazing things. And it's not just about me, it's just, you know, helping build the leadership skills in young people and giving them a chance to find a way that they want to make a difference to the world and that's the beauty about this it's it's like everything in a team it's not just about one person it's about the role everyone can play and all that so i think i had to make a decision about uh, 6 years ago i decided i needed to take a midlife gap year
0: yeah and that's <laughs>
1: And that's how, that's how I framed that with my wife to be able to get the okay to take, uh, I took 12. Get away and, with it. Yeah, yeah. So it took, well, I was watching all my nieces and nephews around me taking these gap years and, um, yeah. and, and exploring all these things, you know, exploring the skills and things that they could develop into. And um, so I thought, well, hang on, I'm 40 years of age. Uh, I've done, I've got another 20, 25 years of work ahead of me. I just don't want to settle for this. I want to know what I can actually do. So... I took 12 months leave without pay from my role at, that I was in at the, at the time and I didn't just sit at home, I set up a business and uh, I created my own business and I wanted to figure out how I could trade, What? how could I use my skills in some way to make money and uh, so my business focused on project management support in particular the local government and it was great. It worked really well. And and then that led on to me meeting, um, the, the CEO of Acre and, uh, him asking me if I'd like to join him and away we went. So I'm really proud of that achievement. That was a, that was a big risk I had to take. And you know, I, I decided pretty quickly I was, I wasn't going to go back to my old job and I was going to carve out a future in, in this space. So, yeah.
0: Did that help motivate you to keep, keep going? Cause pretty early you realized that you Didn't want to go back to that
1: job. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I I guess that was a really big challenge. I was I was faced with the challenge at that time in my career. Then around, um, I was part of an executive team, and I found myself one day sitting around the board table with all these people who were trying to figure out how not to do things. And I thought, oh my god, this is this is crazy. This is this isn't what I'm about. I'm all about making stuff happen, doing things and making a difference. So um, I decided right then and there I had to leave. And I didn't know how I was going to make it happen, but I decided it was going to happen. I went home that night, spoke to my wife about it and shared that experience with her. And and I said, I don't want to do this. i I I got so much more to give. I can't believe I found myself in this leadership position that wasn't allowing me to make the difference I wanted to make. So I had to find another space to do that in.
0: Wow. Fantastic. What has been the most difficult decision you've had to make as a leader? Uh,
1: Well, that was one of them, I must say. Yeah, that's what's making
0: me wonder, (laughs) is that one of them? (laughs)
1: Making making that decision was really tough. It was really tough because I had a great relationship with the people I was working with at that organisation as well and I felt like I was kind of, you know, leaving them in the lurch a little bit. But at the same time, I realised I wasn't, I wasn't being productive, as productive as I should be. I wasn't being, you know, providing the right leadership that they needed or that organisation needed at the time. So, um, and it wasn't right for me. So, and it's about I had to figure out how I got myself in a better mindset and create a different environment for me to be able to be better. So um, that was a really tough decision. Um, another tough decision was deciding to, um, it's 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 hard to decide to know to figure out when it's time to move on to something new. Yeah. So yeah. you know, with conservation volunteers, that was a tough one because that was like a, a this this beautiful family that I was part of, but I had to make that decision to you know I found myself doing all this amazing stuff, helping other communities, helping other people, help build their communities, and I thought, well, hang on, what am I doing in my where's, where's my community? And uh, so that's why I decided I, I wanted to go back to my roots and go back to the community I really cared about and see what sort of role I could play to help be part of developing that community. So that's – and it, it's all worked out really well.
0: Yeah. And so, you, you know, you're an action person, you're, you know, a passionate person, a people person. I'd love to know how important creativity is in your work and in your life.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I um, – I've never really considered myself as being very creative, Samantha. Um, Mm. uh, I'm not into the arts. I can't draw to save myself. I can't paint. uh, I can't play any musical instruments, although I love music. So it wasn't until, like, I guess the last few years, my wife, Beck has helped me kind of realise and and see that uh, I am creative in a different way. Yes. And it's through that kind of, um, through ideas and how I can bring those ideas to fruition and how I can kind of design programs that involve other people and, and all that sort of stuff. So creativity is actually really important in, in particular now in my work because it's, it's, it's trying to figure out alternative ways we can make stuff happen. And, my gosh, in this, this last, you know, six months with everything happening with COVID-19 and lockdowns, you know, as an organisation ha- we've had to be very creative about how we continue to do what we do. And so, yeah, so it's it's there all the time. It's just in a different way.
0: Yeah. And the sort of work you're doing now is really quite at the forefront. You know, it's groundbreaking stuff where you, I imagine you need that creativity. What is this um, platform that you're working on that you've sort of developed through this COVID period for... <laughs> social enterprise?
1: Yeah, so in particular, I guess with social enterprise um, as a focus, um, we've been working with some partners in Canada and the UK called the Social Enterprise Institute. And um, we've just established a platform called Social Shifters, which we've just, uh, just launched here in Australia. And it's a platform that connects social entrepreneurs from around the world and um, provides resources for them, and 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 just connects them in with like-minded people, just helping them kind of get through that next bit of work they've got to do, or that next bit of thinking. So yeah, so that's um you know this whole the whole thing around um, kind of virtual learning and online platforms, we've had these things in the wings for a while, and just happens to be that. Uh, you know, now people are open to engaging with it in this way because they've got no choice.
0: Yeah, forced into it. <laughs> yeah, but,
1: but, but for us, because we're all about, you know, how do we, um, you know, we want to drive the renewal of Australia's rural communities. And so that's really difficult on such a large scale um, and, and and it takes a lot of resources if you're trying to be in every community physically. So our vision's always been about how can we get our support and resources to these rural communities that really need it in a really efficient and effective way and through these virtual platforms that's allowing us to do it. So we're seeing the opportunity in all this rather than kind of the, uh, the negative stuff.
0: Yes, yes, it's the way to go. Do you have a special routine or a, a something that you like to do that keeps you motivated and, and organised at work?
1: Yeah, I, I set goals, um, and not just, and that's not just for my work. That's just for my life. I'm very, very much a um, kind of goal-oriented person. I need to, I need that sense of achievement. And I'm not just talking, you know, big goals. I've got some big goals that I want to, you know, work to. But you know, on a daily basis, I'm making my lists, and that helps me stay organized. It helps me figure out what kind of resource I need to put into that. So how much time I need to allocate to things and where I need help as well um, to get those things done so uh, very, very big on goals and um, I, I just I need that sense of achievement that's what drives me and that's what motivates me so you know getting that stuff done I'm, I'm just very much action orientated yeah, So I'm not I'm not not theoretical at all I just want to get in and get things done
0: and with your goal setting do you write it down how do you like to do that
1: Yeah, yeah, I write them down. Um, I definitely write them down. I write them down and I put them on the wall. So I put them on on, on a whiteboard in the office. Uh, I'll write them on a bit of paper and put them in my little special safe keep box and I can go back to in years to come. And I look back on those goals that I set when I was 20 years old. and 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 it's wonderful to be able to, you know, and the fellow who we helped out, you know, a long time ago um, who was having a tough time and he was living in our house down the bottom of the farm there. That was one of the big things I did with him was just helping him set some goals to keep him focused on those things that were important to him. So while everything else, because, you know, it's just ridiculous to think that everything's going to be perfect all the time and everything's going to be rosy. And I do tend to get through life with my rose-coloured glasses because that's kind of <laughs> like that sort of positive. Yeah, I
0: feel you. Me too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, stuff happens all the time that doesn't go right. So having those goals written down that you can go back to or, and sharing them with people that, that you trust as well, um, I think that's, a, that's a, an important part of that as well.
0: And is that in terms of having accountability by sharing them or sharing the success and celebration of them? What part of that?
1: So, I'd, I'd, like from a professional perspective, a couple of years ago, probably three years ago now, I had this opportunity to go to America and work with a partner organisation over there to deliver this amazing accelerator program with entrepreneurs from around the world who you know, these startups in the kind of in the circular economy sector. To look at how I can actually, how we could apply that here in our in our organisation here in Australia. And I thought, wow, this is a pretty exciting opportunity, and I thought because this this is going to help us achieve our goal of wanting to kind of you know provide that opportunity here, uh, and for rural Australians. And um, as I was getting a bit closer to having to make the the final decision to go, and I would I shared all this with my family, with my kids, and my kids were probably. 10 and 12 years of age, um, my son Sam and daughter Sophie, and um, we'd talk about it over dinner and what's coming up and, and I'd been talking about it with them for, you know, for about six weeks and then i come down to crunch time and I was getting a bit scared. I was getting a bit nervous oh, about it. No. And, and I said, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think I'm just not going to go. I'm going to just let them know it's just too hard, it's too close to the end of the year, too many things going on. And, but because I had shared that with my family, my 10 year old son said to me, No, dad, you've got to go. Wow. I, said, I beg your pardon. He goes, Yep, you've <laughs> got to go. You need to do this. You will regret not taking up this opportunity. You've been talking about it for six weeks now. And, um, <laughs> and I, I know you will have a great time when you get there. Just do it. And uh, I thought, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to do it. Here's my 10 year old son encouraging me to, um, to just bite the bullet and have a go. And and that's um that actually came up, Samantha, believe it or not, just last night. Uh yeah, last night or a couple of nights ago, my uh, my son Sam was talking about wanting to join the debate team at school. And he's in U7 now. And he was a bit nervous about it because he didn't have any other friends doing it. And I reminded him about how he had uh, you know, encouraged me a few years ago about uh biting the bullet. And, you know, I know it's a bit nerve-wracking and you might be a bit uncomfortable to begin with, but just be comfortable being uncomfortable and, and give it a crack. And he came home last night and said, Dad, I've, I've joined the debate team. So, so yes, yeah, so oh, that cool.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Good on him. Another leader in the making already. It's amazing. So, Pete, to finish off today, what's one piece of leadership advice that you can leave me with?
1: Okay. Oh, gosh, there's a couple there. There's a few things around um, just little things that keep me going. I, you don't need to have all the answers. And as a leader, I guess quite often sometimes people think that they do need to have all the answers and if they don't, they won't actually engage in it or they'll be aloof or, do you know what I mean, it affects their relationships. So for me, that's a big thing. I know, I definitely know I don't have all the answers and I'm not afraid to ask for help. And as soon as you ask for help, you're bringing in all this other expertise and knowledge and experience and it helps you do what you want to do. So just asking for help is an incredible thing to do as a leader and, and probably one of the last things there is don't let perfect be the enemy of good and that's something for me, it's like uh, <laughs> my father-in-law has always said, the hardest thing about anything is starting.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, it really is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: and, 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 and Jock's words just resonate with me all the time and that connects in with that, just make a start, don't worry about it being perfect to begin with. It's just, you know, it, you'll work it through. Um, yeah, so don't let perfect be the enemy of good and and just just start.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much. So many inspiring words in here today. So thank you for being here and, and thank you for sharing this chat with me.
1: Oh, you're welcome, Samantha. It's been great talking with you. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Footprints of Leadership podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify to be notified of our next episode. You can find more on our socials at Footprints Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Giraffe Consulting. If your business is ready for a new perspective, visit giraffeconsulting.com.au.